By now, you know it's not a game. The coils get tighter every hour. Following interviews were recorded at the 10th anniversary of Long Beach Comic Con, September 8 and 9. All the voices on the record are deep in the game, so you know Cobra Command's not too far away. Welcome to Cujo's Long Beach Comic Con file parts. start saying untrue things. <laughs> okay. Winner of a Golden Reel Award. Yes. Nominated for an Emmy. Uh, yes. Director uh, on the G.I. Joe movie 1987. Yes. Uh, we had the supervising director was uh, Don Jerwich and I was one of these directors working under him. Author of the Snake Eyes Trouble Bubble Flip. <laughs> yes, that was me. And quite possibly the best laugh in the G.I. Joe family. Who? You. Me. <laughs> me. Here with animation oh, boss Larry Houston. Um, we crossed paths in at WonderCon. Pleasure to cross paths with you again. Just to, just to get serious a little bit about the movie in 87. You guys introduced sci-fi to military. Not everybody can jive with that kind of plot twist. How did, how did it play out for you? Well, my reaction when I first read the script, I was like, where are they going with this? You know, because we had always been dealing with straight military stuff, and suddenly we had this sci-fi, Shangri-La, Cobra-La thing happening. I was like, okay. Let's Secret see. society. Yes. And I was like, okay, this is a, this is a whole totally new direction for the series. You know, because the script was already approved by the by the toy company, it's like, okay, we'll we'll just have to deal with it and just try and make it work. I've heard Buzz Dixon say that when he sent the original designs for Globulus in, it was kind of like a Caesar dude that was being fed grapes, just kind of hanging out. <laughs> yeah. That's not what they got back. What do you remember about Globulus as a nemesis? What I remember about uh, uh, Globulus was that he kind of... We did traditional drawings of him, and then as it progressed, the toy companies had other ideas, and that's where, like, you see, like, he's a half-man, and then they gave him this, like, biological unit that he sits inside of, because they started thinking toys. And so it kind of changed, it, it mutated over the, over, over the um, production into what you guys saw as the final product. I remember seeing the work in progress, and that's, it didn't start off that way, but that's how it ended up. Did you feel that they made formidable villains? Were you intimidated by Cobra Law? Uh, I was not, but as a director, we had to make it more formidable. And so we had to draw it as if they were in a, a, an advanced culture more than the G.I. Joes had ever faced. And we had to make it that way, that they're dealing with uh, an American technology, culture, technology, and suddenly they're facing like maybe the the, the te technology from Atlantis or something that's you know a step above and and it's like they've got all these weapons we've never thought of because everything they had was biologically based as opposed to military based which Joe GI Joe was always dealing with so 
So it was like a a, 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 mix, a mix match of technology. Funny you should mention Atlantis, but I will end on this. Doesn't Globulus kind of sound like Globe? Christian Nair, yeah. a man who can get things done on the screen, <laughs> but you're also a DJ. I am a DJ. When did you learn that life was all about frequency and rhythm? Wow, that's an interesting question. Um, I think recently, um, being in LA, uh, I've learned a lot about frequencies. <laughs> um, there's some crazy frequencies in LA, um, but rhythm has always been part of my life. Um, I think rhythm is very important. Here with Jamie Sullivan, IDW hitman, um, <laughs> at uh, okay. actually the 10th anniversary for uh, Long Beach Comic Con. It is. In fact, 10 years. We spoke at uh, WonderCon a few months back. Yep. So this would be the middle part of your file card. As an yes. artist, let's talk personal strengths. As an artist, what are you doing better right now than you've ever done? As an artist, what am I doing better right now? Um, Probably layout, and um, I think I'm getting a better handle on how I used to draw people. I, you know, I used to draw photorealistic and, and the proportions that you would just see a normal person like walking down the road, but now I'm drawing people, you know, mixing that with a comic book style. You know, and still keeping them looking real, but still looking like comic book. If you want the bareness, like sexy on the cover, I'm probably not the guy that you want. But if you want like Scarlet and the bareness and snake eyes, like fighting and some vehicles involved, and, then I'm your man. So I think that's that's what I'm doing better right now, is I'm translating the way I used to draw into more of a comic book style. Speaking of sexy covers, you're about to drop a G.I. Joe cover, the Ace cover, which temporarily broke Twitter for a minute when they... Uh, <laughs> for a minute. Maybe about 45 seconds. So here's the question about that. That's, that's literally a three-level cover. You got people on the ground, you got the Ravens maybe on a bombing run, Yeah. and you've got Ace in a enlightened position, so to speak. Yep. Here at Long Beach, where, where do we find you? Are you in the trenches, bombing run, or enlightened? I am probably on the ground in the trenches. That's Artist Alley. You've been living a double life, my friend. Oh, yeah? Some Joes share a code name. A couple Joes that share a code name come to mind. Uh, Mercer, maybe Grunt. But you're working on your second. You started out as Deep Dish. I did. Which is phonetically pleasing. But now you're old style. I am. This is your opportunity to talk about uh, how are you transitioning? Smooth? Identity crisis? What's up? Well, I think, um, I think old style as a beverage is smooth. It's the beer I grew up on. And so it works for me. It was an emotional shift because I did love Deep Dish, but when I found that it essentially was plagiarizing, which I had absolutely no idea, I was floored when I'm sitting in my living room watching that episode. When I heard that it was plagiarizing, I'm like, I have to change it. I can't continue to use it without changing it. So Old South felt right. I'm a, I'm a retro guy at heart. I love like the old school stuff, old school back issues, old school this, old school that. So Old South works for me. I caught you at WonderCon uh, a few months back. So this would be 
the second part of your file card. Sweet. Um, as a creative, as a human, what are you doing better right now than you've ever done? Um, I think my podcast game has gotten better, Ooh. exponentially better. Not saying it's, I'm not making claims that it's the best, but I know that I've, I've strived to improve. I really, really think I've uh, gained a lot of skills in that area, which I'm pretty proud of. I can echo that sentiment. Why is it the perfect time to start G.I. Joe and a Real American Hero reread? Because I think this country needs some uh, old school, true north patriotism. Rereading the early issues of the Joes, there's a lot of the um, populist sentiment that Larry Hama had Cobra spouting, which echoes a lot of the shit that we're seeing today. And, and, it, and it just echoes for me. You heard? And I think it's really important to read that and go, wow, 30 years ago, Larry was writing about this stuff and the kind of danger that it could become. And we need to learn those lessons. And obviously, who's the perfect companion for that reread? Well, of course, it's the Joe on Joe Illustrated podcast. That's right. Yeah, it's my Patreon podcast. We started uh, started the, the Patreon about six months ago. It's going strong. I'm really happy with it. And every five episodes, I share it to the world on the regular Joe on Joe feed. But as of this recording, we're up to about issue 35. And I'm loving it. I'm loving it. We go page by page, panel by panel breakdowns. I'm pulling out, like this just ephemeral comic book knowledge that I've had stored in my head that I, I can spit out and get on the page. I'm so happy to do it. Here with Ray Wise, a man whose expressions and intensity have tantalized and frightened many people on the screen. Mm. You've actually played the devil on two occasions. Yes, I played, uh, well, of course, the show I did uh, called Reaper, I played the devil. That was on for two seasons, about 33 or 34 episodes. And I enjoyed playing my version of the devil so much that I, I could have played that character forever. Christopher Priest, guest of honor at the 10th anniversary of the Long Beach Comic Con. You're a man of faith, also a luminary of fiction. That can be a contradiction. How does it work for you? Well, I think it's all how you look at it. I think art is art. I don't think there's necessarily, you know, I, I get troubled when people say uh, Christian music, you know, uh, and I'm like, uh, I think yeah, music is music and, you know, art is art and it all depends on how you look at it. So, uh, yeah, it can be a contradiction. So there are times when I have to kind of uh, sort of be, be careful about what I choose to work on. And if I'm doing something like, say, Deathstroke, for example, which is about this hired assassin, it's important to me that not, not necessarily that the work reflect my values, but that they don't contradict them. With Deathstroke, it's not that we're glorifying violence so much as we're telling the story of the effects that lifestyle has on this person. So it's a, it, as odd as it sounds, Deathstroke becomes kind of a morality play and a morality tale about, uh, a cautionary tale about pursuing, uh, uh, you know, a lifestyle that's destructive or negative in some way. So I'd always feel like I need to run around and justify the, the choices that I make in, 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 that, in that sense. There was a trio of books that I did for Simon & Schuster called uh, Sleepers, featuring Green Lantern. And there was a scene in one of the, in the book three where Green Lantern is flying through outer space, and he's marveling at 
the wonders of outer space. And he says, all this architecture demands an architect. Hmm. And the editor got very angry about it because he, the editor was an atheist. Mm. And the editor uh, accused me of proselytizing. And I kind of shot back and said, well, you know, uh, at that time in DC Comics continuity, Hal Jordan had been the Spectre. Uh, they had changed Hal Jordan to the Spectre. It's a long story. And the Spectre, for those of you who don't read comics, the Spectre was an agent of God. He worked directly for God. I mean, he spoke audibly to God and he heard audibly from God and took his orders from God. So Green Lantern, in that context, having an idle speculation about there being an architect to the universe is completely in character and appropriate. It's that kind of stuff. It becomes a little bit tricky. I like it. This is definitely your spotlight, but I'm sure like a boss, you can swing it. I just want to ask a couple questions about a real American hero, Larry Hama, somebody you collaborated with. Uh, as a creative force, as a human, who is Larry to you? Oh, Larry's like my stepdad. Uh, we're very close. I just saw him at uh, at the Connecticut convention, Terrificon. Uh, I'm always happy to see him anytime I can. Uh, Larry was uh, like one of my first bosses and a mentor. We shared a very tiny office, not much bigger than a phone booth for about, I don't know, five or six years. I was there when he was creating G.I. Joe, and when he was doing those original sketches, I was looking over his shoulder when that stuff was all coming together. Uh, he trained me on uh, how to be an editor, and uh, and I'm a writer, but he trained me a lot on the art side, what to, how to recognize stuff, how to look for, how to correct some things that, were, that, 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 are, that are incorrect. He has a great sense of humor. I doubt he would claim to be a Christian. He is probably one of the most moral and upright uh, people that I've ever met. And he would tend to sometimes put to shame some of us who even uh, claim to be moral leaders because he's a very moral person. He has a sense of honor. He's very, he, obviously he's a Japanese person. And I tend to tell people that I, I tend to have very Japanese values in terms of, I give my word, I want to keep it. I would never deliberately want to go and, and, and uh, do somebody wrong or, or take advantage of somebody. Uh, and those values came directly from Mr. Hama. So he's, he's a great guy. I, I, I love him a lot.